are she, her, hers, and I'm so glad you're here with us this morning. Visitors and guests, we hope that you got a blue name tag so that we know who you are and can welcome you and answer any questions that you might have. We love, about talk, we love talking about why this community is so important to us, and we'd like to hear from you what you're looking for. We hope you'll join us after the platform for coffee and cookies in the lobby and social hall. Also, please consider sharing your email with us on the gold sheet in your program so we can add you to our mailing list. We'll, um, you can drop it in the collection basket as it passes later in the platform service. I want to remind you all to silence your electronic devices so you can be fully present with us this morning, although we'd love it if you could check in on social media. And now I invite Adam and Rima from SEEK, um, which has come forward in extra ways in Melissa's absence to light our community candle. Share our stage. Thanks. 
the Washington Ethical Society is a humanistic congregation that affirms the worth of every person. We strive through our relationships to elicit the best in the human spirit with faith in human goodness. We appreciate each person's unique capacities. We joyfully celebrate together and support each other through life. We nurture a sense of reverence and responsibility for each other and the earth. If you are new to our community of children and adults, we warmly invite you to join us as we work for a world where love and justice cross all borders. I invite you to join me in the candlelighting words. May we kindle within us the warmth of compassion, the light of understanding, and the fire of commitment to build a brighter future for all. We ring this bell in solidarity with people around the world, especially those affected by Hurricane Florence and Typhoon Mankut. As we listen to the chime, let us remember our connection to each other and the world around us. Let us hold in our hearts all that hurts in the world. And let us commit ourselves to all that calls for our work and our love. I invite you now into a time of meditation. This month, as we explore the theme of vision, we are sharing in the following meditation. Settle into your seat and rela relaxing your body and finding a comfortable way to sit. Close your eyes or focus on the floor in front of you. Breathe deeply in and out for a few breaths. Vision invites us to imagine what comes next for us, to imagine into the future. And yet we also seek to live in the here and now, to envision fully the present moment. Bring your awareness to your senses, in this moment, in this place, what, if any, noises do you hear? Allow them to wash over you. What sensations do you feel in your body or from the objects touching you? What are you able to see through your eyelids or in your narrow line of sight? What, if anything, do you smell? In the silence that follows, allow these sensations to be part of your awareness. Notice how it feels to be fully present in this place right now, your mind's vision open to all that is around you.
When I was a boy this week, on Sunday we would go to church, pay attention to a priest, and he would read the holy word, and consecrate the holy bread, and everyone would kneel and bow. Today the only difference is, everything is holy now. Everything, everything, everything is holy now. Questioning child's face and say it's not a testament. Be a hard to say. See another new morning come and say it's not a sacrament. I tell you that it can't be done. So I stood and I saw a little red winged bird shining like a burning bush singing like a scripture verse it made me want to bow my head remember when our church let out how things have changed since then everything holy now everything 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 is holy now and David, as always, thank you for your beautiful music. Whenever we have Nicole, whether she's here with David or sometimes your mother accompanies you, I always think, well, if all else fails, we'll love the music this morning. <laughs> and that is so true. Some of you know that this um, podium is new. This is actually our, was presented last week as part of a celebration of my 10th anniversary here. And so I'm just getting used to it and, and getting used to the very different space that it takes up. And it is um, such a pleasure to have it with me on stage like my special friend. Uh, <laughs> This platform um, has been planned for a number of months, and it's a platform that really looks at our children and youth within our community here at West. And I want to note first how kind of um, fundamentally uh, challenging or a little strange it may feel for me to be doing it while Melissa is on medical leave, our director of lifelong learning. Initially, we envisioned this as a joint presentation together, and, um, and of course, she is not here. But I wanted to go forward with the conversation, even while acknowledging that, because actually the ideas that I'm going to be talking about Melissa and I have been in conversation about together for a number of months, talking with the SEEK team about. And because despite the name of this platform, which is Seeking a Vision, because I like to um, make puns, uh, it's really not about the SEEK 
program, per se. It's a much bigger question, I think, how our children and youth show up and are embraced in our community at large. The SEEK program itself, which as you may know, stands for Sunday Ethical Education for Kids, and obviously carries within it the idea of seeking or questioning. Um, that refers to kind of what happens for and with our children on Sunday morning, right? During the 9.30 or during the 11.30 platform, the particular programs that we have created for our children during that time. And, and there's lots of things to say about that. You know, we start a nursery, we have a preschool program, we offer K through fourth as they explore our themes. Um, we have then a fifth and sixth Harry Potter program this year, and our seventh and eighth uh, Our Whole Lives Comprehensive Sexuality Education program, as well as our teen group for our older youth. And all of that is important and programming that we're proud of and continually improving. And it is not fundamentally all that there is for our children as they understand their place within this community. The SEEK program is not really what it means to be a kid here at West. Because as it turns out, children are actually people. <laughs> Who knew? I have discovered that though recently. And just like adult people, young people, children people are individuals each of them choosing to engage in different ways in our community. We see this especially with our teens. Folks will sometimes ask me, so you know, how many teens are in teen group? And I'll say, well, you know, it sort of depends what you count as teen group, right? If you talk about sort of the teens that show up and like to be together in a particular way on Sunday morning, well, that's one number. But then if you count the teens that are heavily involved in our sibling community in El Salvador, that's a different number. And if you count the teens that like to help out in our Sunday school with younger kids, help out in the SEEK program on Sunday morning, well, that's another group then, right? Our teens show us all the time that they actually have preferences about how they show up in this community, how they engage. And for me, overall, and for Melissa and for our program, what we want most is that each of them know that there is a way to be engaged, to be involved. Whether it's the programming that we thought we would set up for them, that we expected them to like or not, right? And that's true among our younger children as well. We have younger kids, as you can see right here, who prefer to be in platform with their parents some Sundays or many Sundays. And then, of course, we have kids who are running as quickly as possible to the SEEK program and the games and art and lessons and stories that are there. And ultimately, that is perfect. It's not just fine, it's perfect. Because the truth is that children are not here at West in this community to learn a series of facts or even to grasp a particular kind or set of knowledge. I think that can be hard to understand sometimes, especially for those of us who were not raised in a religious community or another kind of intentional community like that. Those of us whose interactions with sort of school programming are mostly around more traditional schooling, either in public or independent schools during the week, 
or even during Saturday schools or summer camps, right? In this area, summer camp choice, <laughs> side note, summer camp choice actually depends entirely on whether you have the economic privilege to be able to choose from among the many summer camps. That's kind of a different platform, but I have a lot to say about that and the need for year-round school and the fact that I love summer and it's wonderful and it works beautifully for my family, but actually it doesn't work for the majority of students in our area and um, those without uh, wealthy families to be able to support that. So um, yeah, so that's a different platform, but it's super important. <clears throat> but if you do have the economic privilege to be able to choose among summer camps, summer camp choice starts in January in this area, right? You start looking at your spreadsheets and you ask your friends for their spreadsheets and you're looking through the rec county stuff and the things online and of course nothing's all in the same place. And you can choose from among summer camps that are about horseback riding and learning coding and STEM for girls and cooking classes and the sort of like general camp programs, right? Um, which still aren't even quite the general camp I remember. Like, didn't you just make lanyards for a whole summer? I feel like that's what I did. We just made lanyards all summer. The same thing is true for after school classes and for Saturday classes in this area. There are a million ways for our children to gain new knowledge, right? To learn something specific. And of course also to get to know other kids and to be socialized and all of that, but, but built around this idea that they can learn these amazing skills from incredible teachers. And that fundamentally isn't who we are. It isn't what we do here in this community with our children and youth. And I think that can be disconcerting, particularly if our child comes home and we want to say, well, what did you learn in Sunday school today? Some of what our children learn in Sunday school is how to be with each other. That's actually coming out particularly this year in our theme exploration model where we're switching to a Montessori-inspired model where students will have choice among different stations and, and where the stations will relate to the theme and they'll, they'll learn a little bit about ethical culture and about uh, who they are in the world, but where there's an implied secret curriculum of negotiating and building relationship around those stations. So for instance, Today, one of the stations that kids will be interacting with um, is a digital camera picture-making station. Now, you can imagine, we expect that to be our most popular station, right? Because it involves something that has a button. The rest of them involve markers, which are great, but don't have buttons. So we expect that to be our most popular station, and so there are two digital cameras, and no more. There are more than two children. <laughs> And so part of what we are hoping our children learn and our teachers can guide them in doing is figuring out who gets the digital camera and for how long, negotiating, right, how to share our resources so that there's equity within our space. The congregation is the curriculum, said Maria Harris. The method is the message, said Angus McLean two great religious educators who saw that the way that we do the teaching is almost more important than what it is that the teaching is, right? So what 
message is it that we want them to get then? I posed that question to some West parents and also West adults who don't necessarily have children in this community, but I asked them to reflect on what it was that they wished for their own children or that they wished they had had growing up as children. I love the Holy Now song that Nicole and David shared during our meditation because it speaks to that experience that so many of us in this community have of having been raised in one religious setting with a particular kind of set of expectations and learnings available and now being in a totally different religious setting, right, with different expectations, different learnings, different experiences of what is holy, not the consecrated bread, but all of it, our being together. So I asked some of our parents and adults to reflect on this, what it was that they want. And, and I wanted to share with you a little bit of what they said. I want my children to have a community where they feel safe and can learn about how they have a duty to help make the world a little better than they found it. One person says, oh, and she goes on, I could have used that growing up. That wasn't part of the culture of the church that we were part of. Another said, as a parent, I need support with caregiving without worrying about their whole safety, compromising things like consent and feminism, addressing rape culture and toxic masculinity, racism, ableism, fat hatred in a community. I want my child to have a community in which she can bring her whole self and find connection and engagement for positive change. One of our adults reflected back on what she needed. She said, I wanted a place where I could be myself without hiding anything. And in a community in which I could ask questions and work out for myself uh, the answers, but within a safe community about how the world works, what I believe in, what is right and wrong. At our parent orientations the last two Saturdays, parents have talked about their desire for their kids to be more other-centered, to get alternative viewpoints to the dominant and commercial narratives, to create an extended family dynamic. Several parents talked about their children's experiences on the playground, where their friends would tell them that if they didn't believe in God, then they were going to hell. They wanted their kids to be in a community where they would know other children who perhaps did or didn't believe in God, who perhaps did or didn't believe in hell, but who definitely didn't think that if you didn't believe in God, you were going to hell. They wanted a place where people could ask big questions without the right answers. They want their kids to practice building relationships, to have an activist training ground. And one father talked about wanting a place where his kid wanted to be, a waffle bar, he said, for the soul. <laughs> a waffle bar for the soul. I will say our waffle bar is one of our primary ways of reaching our young children in this community. So we wanted to create a waffle bar for the soul. I think a lot about wanting this community to be a place where children feel safe, to explore, to question, and also to feel safe in their bodies, in their selves. The SEEK team has been working on and is continuing to roll out a variety of different kind of safety policies, ways that we as an institution can keep our children safe. And we're so aware, I think, right now, particularly in the current news cycle, about ways that institutions have not kept children safe and our call to do better and differently. 
In fact, many of you have shared with me that you weren't kept safe as a child, and I want this place to be a place where we do better. Part of that is being a place where children learn about consent as they do in our, our whole lives, trainings, about their own bodies and how they can be wonderful and sexual and are theirs and are theirs alone, and where they know that people will believe them when they don't feel safe. Our whole lives, the comprehensive sex ed program that we offer here is one of our most popular ones with parents. Now, some of that is because it's really nice um, to have somebody else talk to your kids about sex, right? Um, but some of it, I think, is because we realize how important those conversations are. That being able to create a space where kids can talk openly with adult role models who are trained and caring to hold those conversations and that space. That's not just a class, that's the whole community that we're seeking to create here. And so outside of those OWL classrooms, the way that we do that in our congregation as a whole, right, is about how we show up in our community. It's about our kids being able to be with a group of adults where people know not to say, you have to give them a hug, right, where they know it's the child's choice. It's about our kids being able to see different gender identities and expressions, being able to see loving same-sex couples and loving poly folks and people who inhabit queerness in a ton of different ways and people who look straight and narrow on the outside and are burning cores of solidarity and queer affirmation on the inside. All of that is the curriculum. The congregation is the curriculum. It means then that kids need to be part of the entire congregation. Now that doesn't mean that there aren't adult-only spaces, right? Just as there are kid-centered spaces. I think all of that is important for us. And then that there are times when we are all in the same space. A couple of um, months ago, one of our parents posted in a Facebook group um, that her son had been given hand-me-down shoes that were bright pink. And he kind of liked them, but he was at the age where, you know, he didn't think he could wear bright pink shoes at school. And he said to his mom, you know where I could wear them though? I could wear them to Wes. That would be okay. The congregation is the curriculum, a place where boys can wear pink shoes and know it will be okay, or wear dresses or fairy wings. We actually had a couple girls that wore fairy wings, I would say, every Sunday for about six months, and that was okay. That was welcome. It's a place where girls get to see a woman clergy person. There was a whole study on how important that is. It correlates for girls in particular to higher self-esteem in adulthood. I will say sometimes I wish my daughters had slightly lower self-esteem, so I'm sorry about that. But um, <laughs> And where boys get to see men teaching. I went to our Sikh team meeting the other night and just noticed that half of our Sikh team is men. I don't know about you, but for my kids in school, half of their teachers are not men. They are few and far between, especially at the elementary level. And the opportunity for our children to see male role models who are tender and loving and caring is such a beautiful gift. 
a lot of us did not have places like that when we were growing up. And a lot of us really needed them. As I hear stories of people's childhoods, either because I asked specifically for this platform or simply in the course of folks talking to me about how they were raised, the traumas that they experienced, the challenges they had coming out to their communities or navigating who they were, a lot of us needed those places when we were growing up. Some of our kids and youth are lucky to have actually multiple places like that. I am sometimes jealous of my colleagues in conservative rural areas, right? Because although they have to live in conservative rural areas, which doesn't sound so great to me, and particularly is challenging if you hold an identity where you're actually in danger in those areas. Still, in those congregations, there can be such clarity about what the congregation can offer on Sunday morning that is radically different from what the school district offers, right? A school district where perhaps there might be absolutely no sexuality education offered in their classes. In our case, because we live in a relatively progressive area in DC and in Montgomery County and in PG County where the majority of our kids go to school, our kids are really lucky to actually have anti-bullying curriculum right in the schools, to have classes on peace and conflict resolution right in their classes, to have classes on relationship. My daughters learned meditation and mindfulness in their public school, right? They lie down with their beanie babies on their tummy and then breathe. You see the beanie baby come up and down. I recommend trying that, by the way. It's very satisfying, especially with a good beanie baby. And so, you know, I think about my colleagues in these rural areas where they offer something really, really different than the culture around them. And I think, well, so what is it that makes what we do on Sunday morning, what we offer to the kids in our community different from what they receive in progressive school districts, in progressive classes? What makes it ethical culture? I went back to read a little bit of what Felix Adler, the founder of ethical culture, had said in a book called The Moral Instruction of Children. I will say, um, part of the book made me think that perhaps he didn't do a great deal of hands-on care with his children. There was a whole section on how the way to um, instill morality in children was to make sure that as infants they were on a completely regular schedule so that they ate with regularity, slept with regularity. If they cried, you should ignore them completely because they needed to um, embrace regularity, um, which would then later lead to the moral life. I feel like that's not been my experience with parenting. I don't know about you. Um, with total success with regularity with my um, infant children. Uh, and I, I thought it was so interesting that at that time, right, writing in the uh, late 19th, early 20th century, this sort of understanding of how to create morality in our children was through um, really strict rules starting in infancy. But he also wrote so beautifully about the understanding of the morality inherent in every child that children don't need to wait until they're older, until they're adults, to bring out their moral impulse. Know that it is a seed within the child that can be cultivated from a very early age. Adler's main tenet was the idea of the worth of every person. 
And for me, it's those values that undergird our work here that make it different than the tools that you might receive in a public school or a progressive independent school in this area. The idea that all that we do is grounded in the worth of every person and the connection that we have to each other. And so part of what our job is then is to pass on those values to make sure that our kids know them and can articulate them. But teaching values is a tricky thing. Some of it can be repetition, right? Saying the words out loud, making sure our kids know who Felix Adler is and know what ethical culture is and know that we believe in the worth of every person and we elicit the best in others and therefore ourselves. And our Neighboring Faiths program in particular is one of the classes where our kids really explore that deeply. But some of learning values really has to be experiential. It has to be lived for the child and for the adult as well. That's why we have our children join us here in the main hall every Sunday before our collection, so that they can see and experience and participate in the way that we share resources in this community and with people beyond our walls. It's why they're here for our closing song each Sunday, because we so often sing our values. It's why we work hard to find marches and rallies that are kid-friendly or to make them kid-friendly if we can. It's why our kids clean up the stream with earth ethics and plant vegetables that are given away. Because the thing that makes being in a community like West special is that it is a whole community. It's not just about getting some piece of material or knowledge, but getting that knowledge and practicing it where in a place where people of many ages are doing the same thing. Raising a child here isn't just about what they learn, and it isn't just about what happens in the Sikh classroom on Sunday morning. It's about everything that happens here and their sense of being in this place with each other. The congregation is the curriculum for all of that, how we treat our children when they move through adult space, how we show up for them in their own space, how we integrate older kids and teens into the work of our community, how we talk about and to each other and how we model our values in our adult lives. This means that every, like everything here, our kids' experiences can feel really weighted. Sometimes people ask me what it's like to serve a community where people have a lot of opinions, which is true. You have a, a lot of opinions about many things. I'm not talking just about our children's programming, but about the community at large, right? People here have many opinions. And sometimes, I will be honest, that gets sort of overwhelming, right? Because sometimes, maybe often, your opinions are not all the same, you'll be surprised to learn. And so I have lots of opinions coming at me to figure out. And very occasionally, people have really big opinions or reactions to things that seem small to me, right? The exact phrasing we use on something or the choice of food at an event, that's a big one that people have opinions about. But the thing is, what I remember is that the reason you have those big opinions is because this feels like your home, right? And so what happens here matters to you deeply in some ways that can't even always be articulated. And although, yes, part of what we do is learn together to manage our reactions to things, maybe be a little bit more chill sometimes, right? I also love that you care so much that things matter to you here so deeply. 
And ultimately, that's what I want for our children, too, for this place to matter to them, for them to feel connected to it. I grew up in a congregation very much like Wes uh, in upstate New York. And whenever I go back, my old Sunday school teachers come and find me and tell me about something I said in Sunday school when I was 10 years old in the class that they taught me. And I will tell you, I never remember what they're talking about. In fact, I don't remember almost anything of what I learned in Sunday school. I have one class that sticks out in my mind where I did a presentation on Taoism because my memory of that class is that the children all hated the class they were teaching and revolted and led a successful mutiny and then built our own class. I learned later that actually that was totally a curriculum that they set up to allow students to take over. And we thought we were rebelling, but actually they had planned it all along. So I remember that one. <laughs> and I remember my About Your Sexuality class, which was the precursor to the OWL class that we teach here. I remember that. Teen group, I didn't like. The kids just wanted to melt crayons. But other than that, most of my Sunday school life is kind of a blank. Now, I realize that this doesn't sound like a great advertisement to teach Sunday school. Spend hours nurturing our children. They will never remember anything that you told them. <laughs> Although maybe it kind of feels more relaxing. Like, you don't have to worry too much about it. They're not going to remember. But you know what is not a blank for me? Me knowing that that congregation loved me. Me knowing when I started seminary to study to become a clergy person myself that the congregation was going to be so proud. Me knowing that I could ask big questions and be taken seriously and come up with big answers and be affirmed in them. What isn't a blank for me is the vote that that congregation took after my coming of age program to allow youth membership for the first time in their history and the feeling of being welcomed into that community. The feelings I have from Sunday school are not a blank at all. The knowledge may not have stayed with me, but the experience of who I was and how I was connected to a community are vital to my identity today. It's never really about the material, just like it's not really about the specifics of what you hear in platform. And believe me, I don't flatter myself to think that you remember what I say five years down the road or a month, whatever. It's about knowing that this is a place where you, as an adult or as a child, can be loved and challenged and held accountable and nurtured, that it is your place. Which is why when our kids run through the hallways and we call out after them, we walk at West, we walk at West, which is really a purely aspirational statement. <laughs> I think, while deeply hoping that they do not knock anybody over, I think, well, they know that this is their home, that this is their place too, that it is not just the place of the adults who are gathered here, but it is theirs in some fundamental way that we didn't exactly teach them. Nobody sat in front of them in a Sunday school class and said, this is your place too. This is a place where you can feel welcomed and nurtured and loved and held. We can't teach them that. 
we can just hope that they learn it. The congregation is the curriculum and the method is the message. And our job, all of us in this community, the adults and the children and the teens, everyone who makes up who we are, our job is to make that curriculum and that message as loving and welcoming and ours as we can. Birds flying high, you know how I feel. Sun in the sky, you know how I feel. Breeze drifting on by, you know how I feel. It's a new dawn, it's a new day, it's a new life for me. Yeah, it's a new dawn, it's a new day. It's a new life for me, ooh, yeah, and I'm feeling good. Fish in the sea, you know how I feel. River running free, you know how I feel. Blossom on the tree, you know how I feel. It's a new dawn, it's a new day, it's a new life for me, and I'm feeling good. Dragonfly out in the sun, you know what I mean, butterflies all having fun, you know what I mean. Sleep in peace when day is done, you know what I mean. And this old world is a new world, an old world for me. Stars, when you shine, you know how I feel. Scent of the pine, you know how I feel. That's how I feel. It's a new dawn. It's a new day. It's a new life for me. <laughs> 